Okay, so all right. So today's daf is Tetzayin, but we pick up on Tetzvav Amud Bet, um, and we are. Where are we? Um, it is um, okay. Right. Uh, we are the first wide line. Um, yes, the first wide. The, the first, the widest of the lines. Continuing to interpret the Tzikim in the Megillah. Um, and so Esther comes into the innermost chamber of the king's house. When she came to the house of idols, the chamber of idols, uh, presumably now we're assuming there's a chamber of idols leading up to the uh, innermost chamber. Um, the Shechina departed from her. Because she with the love, right? Because it says when she when she cloaked herself with malchut that meant ruach hakodesh, and now the shechina is departing. Amma, she said, "Eli, Eli, Lamazaftani, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me?" And this is from the parakin tehillim that is Ayelet Hashacha, which is interpreted to be about Esther. Shema Tadana la Shogei Kinezi Bal Onis Maybe you are judging the inadvertent, like the willing, and like like the like the intentional, and the, the one who is forced, like that who is willing. Now, what does this mean? So this seems to be going back to the earlier midrash, which is that Esther said Kasher Avadati Avadati that now that she is willingly going to um, uh, to appease Achashverosh or to uh, the Gemara sees in that also a seducing of Achashverosh or an approaching him also for sexual matters and that now she is willingly having sex with him and sleeping with him which will make her forbidden to Mordechai so here Esther is saying but I'm anus even if I'm doing it willingly the larger context is one in which I don't have a choice because I'm doing it for the sake of saving Kla Yisrael. So that raises an interesting question within this issue about was it permissible for her to do this or not? Was she an, uh, considered an anus or not? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, this is why I was delaying discussing this from yesterday, Rashi says, I'll own it. Uh, I don't know, it's about ten lines down in the narrow lines on the right-hand column, last word on the line, or the first word is the word onus. Even though I'm choosing to do it, the larger context is that I have no choice, you know, so or that I'm doing it out of necessity. So I should just mention that there's an interesting question about, um, you know, whether Esther was um, allowed to do this or not, right? The Gemara, so to speak, about Esther before Hesyahave and so on. So, okay, let's say that she was allowed. There's a whole question within already that issue about Gilui Arayos, was it Yehazal Yavor, all these discussions in Sanhedrin, Karka Olam, whatever those issues might be. So that's like question number one of whether she was allowed to do it. There's another fascinating question, which is, was she forbidden to Mordechai afterwards? Right? The Gemara sounds like she was because it says Kasher Avadati Avadati. But the issue is, but let's say she was actually not only allowed, let's say she was obligated to do this. Let's say because of she was mandated you know she was she was obligated to do this she should not have been held liable for doing anything wrong that was what she was mitzuved to do does that necessarily mean that she is that that, that, that it doesn't impact her relationship with Mordecai um, and uh, actually there is a fascinating mishuva about somebody who uh, um, is uh, some man persuades a married woman I think this was the story that uh, he's Ariel Navi, and that he has to sleep. She has to sleep with him in order that that, they, that that Mashiach should be their child. And she believes this guy. She sleeps with him, and obviously he's a charlatan. And then the question is: Is she permissible to go back to her husband? So, would you say do you do you determine that issue of permissibility to the husband on the question about this, this, the, the the nature of the transgression? Right. So here, yeah, let's say she thought he honestly thought that she was obligated to do this act. Right? So if you would say, well, you know, she's an Omeris Mutter, she thinks it's permissible, that's not the same as a Maisie, that's a Shogeg, maybe she's even similar to an Anus. But the question is, is because the relationship to the husband, the last fact that she's forbidden to the husband is based on the Pasuk that says, Kitiste Isho Malabo Ma'al. It doesn't say that she was Moel against God. It was ma'alabomal. It was how she how she impinged upon her relationship with her husband. That it was a, that it was you know that it was a violation of her relationship with her husband. Even if she thought from a perspective of of of, of 
of, 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 you know, of transgression and mitzvah that he was actually obligated to do the act. So someone also, so that's the question anyway, and some want to raise that in terms of the Esther story. That could be that she was obligated to do. She describes herself as honest, based on Gemara and Sanhedrin or whatever, Hatzalus, Klai Yisrael, maybe she was doubt because she was supposed to do what she did. And nevertheless, the Medrash earlier said that Kasher Avadati Mibet Abba Kach Avadati Mimcha. Would that still necessarily, how would that impact in terms of her relationship with Mordechai? So there is not a clear answer on that, but I at least wanted to like frame that question. Um, and here we see that she's calling it Anus. Okay, Anus. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Looking at things in a larger context. Right. Absolutely. So it does raise that question as well about honest in terms of the larger circumstances and not only the particular choice to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, aren't there halakhic writings in recent years about whether Israeli spies can seduce? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Could be. So that would be irrelevant. Okay, so let's keep on going. Oshema, so maybe that's why you're abandoning me. Oshema, Al-Shekharasi's Kelev. Maybe because I called Achashverosh a dog. Shenemar, he's again from this Pasuk in Tidlin that's seen as referring to Esther. Save my soul from the sword. Miyad Kelev, Yechidati, myself from the, from, from the dog. So, so, right, so apparently you see that even though Achashverosh was a Russia, he's a king. So you don't, uh, you know, you have to speak with respect. So then she called him now a lion. So the first plus, the first issue maybe God is judging her as willing. That sort of doesn't have a response. Maybe it's sort of self-explanatory, the answer. He shouldn't be judging her as willing. But the issue about calling the dog, that she's going to correct. Shenemar, the next verse says, Okay, so now she corrected that. So she anyway thought God was abandoning her, but anyway, it apparently was a, for a secondary reason just because of she was in the house of idols. Now, the king sees Esther. Three heavenly angels uh, um, sort of uh, chanced upon or came to her at that time. One that lifted up her neck so the king could see her. Apparently there's a throng of people there and he sees her. So one that lifted up her neck one that caused we had this, issue, this idea before the, 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 the strand of a charm to, uh, to, to be drawn over her meaning that he found, uh, the king saw her number one number two is he, you know, he, he found fa- she found favor in his eyes he was, you know, he was attracted and charmed by her the echad and the third caused him to extend the, uh, the, the staff and to allow her to come forward now the comma. How long did the staff was did the staff extend? I presumably it believes that it extended to reach Esther, right? What does what does the pasuk say? So he had to get close. But anyway, presumably the midrash is not enough that he just lifted it up; it extended. The comma. How far? I'm going to give you a amot, two amot, about three feet. Haya, that's the, it was original size. Vehemido al Shemisrei, and it grew to twelve. Vamile al Sheishisrei, some say sixteen. Vamile asrim ba'arba, twenty-four. We must need satana al shishim in a bright that we taught. We we teach sixty. Okay, now uh, you don't you don't have to be Freud to try to uh, read other possible meanings <laughs> into this. Okay, which some people say is in the Megillah story itself, is that implicit story. He, right, he extends the staff and she's, uh, you know, she appears and she finds favor in his eyes and whatever. And by the way, I should mention that um, it is interesting, the fact that the Gemara reads the whole issue of, um, you know, about sex into this, right? The Middish doesn't say that she is, uh, you know, sort of uh, approaching him sexually. I mean, the Methodist, the, the, the Megillah doesn't say that, but the Gemara reads, oh, if I'm going to now go to the Melech, Kasher Avadati Avadati, now I'm going to go to him and have sex with him willingly. Who, who was talking about sex? So it already sort of put that there. And um, so anyway, it's interesting way it's reading it. Also, um, and not to be too scandalous, but one does wonder, right, she goes into the inner house 
it's a little bit of a reversal, but we not too long ago learned about Yoma and about the Kohen Gadol going into the Holy of Holies and going into the innermost chamber and the Gemara there also bringing up very like, powerful sexual imagery about that sort of sense of intimacy and going innermost and so on. So uh, one wonders if that's here as well, though that would be reversing the male and the female role. Okay, I have no idea what the different numbers are. All right. Um, okay. Similarly, you find by the... Um, by the arm of Batpura, by the Puzzle says, by, by, by Moshe, she sent her Ama, which is normally understood to be her maidservant, but it's being read here also with the rabbinic Ama, meaning the arm, right? And so that she reached for her arm and her arm extended. So, and similarly, you find by the teeth of the wicked, you God, you have broken the teeth of the wicked. Don't be broken, that you have extended. So, like it's a midrash about Og that God caused the teeth to extend, you know, hun- uh, hundreds of feet. So he had a whole tradition. It's so funny. Like it just seems like these are arbitrary numbers, right? Oh, we have a long tradition that the Shavit extended two hundred amos. All right. So now back to the verse. Or so the king said to Esther, what, is, what do you want? What is your desire? Until half the kingdom, and it will be done. So, up to half the kingdom, not the whole kingdom. Not something that divides the kingdom. I won't allow for the Beit HaMikdash to, return, to, to be restored. So this is in the larger context, right, that the building of the Beit HaMikdash had been, had been ceased, had been paused, and it only resumed after Achashverosh. Achashverosh is not prepared to do that. And that um, places the timing of this much earlier in the Persian period. Right. Well, not much earlier. According to Chazal, it's only about ten years before the Binyan Beis Hamikdash resumed in, in, in earnest. Right. But the secular secular story okay. tried to identify this as later. Perhaps. Right. Well, that's true. Ramban also, I should mention, I mentioned this at the beginning of the Masechet, that the Ramban understands this to have been taking place after the rebuilding started in earnest, during, like, after the, the Daryavash Hashemi, against the Gemara. Uh, but, right, that is the question. Is this before the Binyan or after? The Gemara definitely understands this to be consistently, like, okay, a little bit had begun here, but it really had not begun in earnest. <coughs> yes. Yeah, perhaps the different numbers aren't significant, but what's significant is this is a very widespread tradition. Now, the details may have come down differently, you know. For, but the idea that it extended, yeah, so it, it right. highlights that this is a very wild, wild Right, that's true. Earnest. That every, that, that that meant like that this understanding that it extended. So the issue about the Beit HaMikdash is also important, you know, because we'll see that sort of theme coming up later as well about the power of the Korbanot and well, uh, well anyway, we'll see the theme of the Beit HaMikdash being revisited later on. The yes. With the Marashan says the difference with the 12 or whatever has to do with the number where you start counting the number of words not also for the number of letters. Okay. Rabbi Bar Ephron, oh no, we skipped that. Um, okay, okay. Yavoa Melech Haman al Mishtah. Let the king and Haman come to the to the uh, drinking party that I've made for them. Son of Rabbanan, Marav Esther Shezinas Haman, which is a straightforward question in the story. Now the answer seems to be pretty obvious, but let's take a look. Why, if she's try, if she's trying to get the king to be responsive, why, why is she also inviting Haman to the feast? So Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Pachim Tamnalo, she laid traps for him. The table shall be for them for a trap. So, like a trap, like a, like a trap that you set for an animal, like, you know. Um, so, um, so, the point being that uh, she presu- presumably, as we sort of see later, she's trying to get uh, the king jealous or Haman to do something wrong. And I think Rashi says here, where's Rashi? Uh, does Rashi say? No. Okay, so let's keep on going. If your enemy is hungry, feed him bread, which basically means keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Okay, um, so so she basically wants to keep Haman close either because she wants to get Haman in trouble and entrap Haman and catch him and you know, be able to find something to blame him for or just to keep an eye on him. With Meir Omer, Yito wrote, uh, also keeping the eye on him, you know, she wants, he doesn't want him to be out of her purview, out of her sight, because maybe he will 
he will sort of get a you know get a hint that something is up and find a way to really rebel against the king and take over or certainly to foil her plan. That uh, people should not realize that she is Jewish because they'll say, oh, why is Esther all of a sudden going to the king? Maybe it has something to do with Haman's plot. So therefore, by inviting Haman, it's uh, you know it's misdirection. People don't realize that this is uh, that she's trying to um, you know to to intercede about the about the whole uh, about the whole plan, uh, edict of Haman. That the Jewish people shouldn't think, ah, we don't have to worry. We've got, you know, our sister is there in the king's house. So, and they'll no longer feel the need to pray to God. So, therefore, you know, you want to keep the Jews uh, worried that Haman, maybe, maybe we can't fully trust Esther. She still seems to be in cahoots with Haman. She's inviting Haman as well, which is a fascinating sort of religious uh point here, making sure that God remains in the picture, even though God isn't, uh, isn't clearly in the picture in the whole Megillah, but here assigning it that he's doing it to keep God in the picture. The um, That he... What? They were fasting. Oh, that's right. They were they were fasting. That is true. Presumably with a religious context. Okay? So in order that he should always be available to her, and Rashi, uh, this was Rashi I was thinking about, top Rashi on the left-hand side, because if she's if Haman is always around, maybe she could find some way to get him in trouble, which seemed to have been the first point about laying a trap. Okay, Rabbi Shimon. Why is it just to get Ahasuerus We're going to get to that, but it is funny. You have a lot of the answers before it gets to that. Maybe God will realize, oh my God, look how bad things are. So it's like the reverse. Like the Jewish people will realize uh, things are not, you know, things are, are, are a bit of a trouble. Esther seems to be together with Haman. God will sort of see, oh my God, look at this. Esther and Achashverosh and Haman and God will ask. Of course, that's very anthropomorphic, right? That, you know, first of all, God knows what it's all about. But number two is, is that like, you know, but it gets to the whole larger question about prayer, right? I mean, and getting God to look down upon us. Uh, how do you really make theological sense of all of that? In a way, right, we just finished Mesechet Ta'anit. One way of understanding the fasting is saying, God, look how miserable we have. Have compassion on us. So God needs you to act miserable for God to realize how miserable you are. So, it, but it, it does touch on a you know similar theological point. If you look at Rashi, Yargisha Kodesh Baruch Hu Shafani Mekarevetsoneim Shay Yisrael, God will see. Look how how I've had to lo- lower myself that I have to you know sort of curry favor with Haman. Oh, so, so what was the first one? The second one is that I have to... So I'm, but, I'm, I'm bringing my enemies here, so you two can bring those that, you know, like the Jews that maybe haven't been so... Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, anyway, but it is a very funny point that, you know, you need God to recognize it. Um, okay. So, uh, where were we? Rabbi Yehoshua ben Karchomer, Asbilopanim. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Karchomer said, let me explain it, which is interesting. Like, the Asbilopanim is like saying, like, I'm going to give oh, you a better explanation. No, 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 no. Asbilopanim. Um, today, here's the reason. Today, Sheyarei Huvihi. That's fascinating. He wanted the king to think that, he and ha- that she and Haman were having an affair and she was willing to sacrifice herself in order to get Haman out of the picture. Okay, so... Um, that's an interesting twist so it is about the king being jealous but in a willing to sacrifice herself he was a uh, what would you say mercurial king he constant, or he was uh, always reversing himself so you know and like you know what flip flopper right it has that nice alliteration too flip flopper so he's a flip flopper so you know he, he one day he'll listen to Haman the next day he'll listen to Esther so Esther figures I gotta get him when I can what I gotta get everybody in the same room and get maybe Haman killed at that moment because if I get him to agree to me at one time and Haman isn't there next time Haman will be there and he'll reverse to get the king to reverse so better get Haman there get the king if I can catch him at the right moment I'll just seal the deal um okay um uh where were we um okay uh, okay. We still need the Modoi, which is Rabbi Eliezer HaModoi, who would often be, uh, you know, have, uh, 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 speak about agadic issues. The time we talk about Rabbi Eliezer HaModoi, Omer, Kinatoba Melach, Kinatoba Salim, wanted to get Haman, jealous, have the king jealous of Haman, 
and the uh, other uh, pr- other princes, other officers jealous of Haman. So what is he adding? I mean, we already said to get the king jealous. So he's adding Kinatobis Sarim. And the Marsha explains that what Rabbi Eliezer Mozart is adding that is not in any of the earlier answers is why did he only invite Haman and not invite anyone else? Well, so, yeah, the affair thing also makes sense. If you invite Haman and other people, then it doesn't get the king worried that there's something specific between Esther and Haman. Correct. Well, of but course, because whose idea was to hang Haman? Else, so, uh, so you say it, would, it helps to get other people in the room. What do you say? Uh, you know, she, she, she did. She's getting Carbona jealous. Oh, I see. I don't know. Carbona was as much jealous as an opportunist. I think Carbona was more of an opportunist than jealous. But okay. Anyway, all right. That's what he's adding. He's adding that you got to get other people also jealous of Haman. Rabbi Amar, we snee shiver geon. Rabbi says, you know, before the, uh, you know, what, what is it? Haughtiness before the fall? No, what's the phrase? Right. Pride comes before the fall, right. So, um, of course, it doesn't really explain what motivated Esther, meaning there's like a moral message here, but it's not exactly, maybe she was good, I'll get him haughty and that'll, you know, I don't know. Anyway, Rabbi and Rabbi, Damri Travai, Rabbi and Rabbi both say, Come on, in other words, before so he's being invited there. I understand, but it's like, Normally, that's a moral point, as opposed to by, by getting him haughty, that'll make him fall. Maybe yeah, yeah, say something you shouldn't. Maybe okay, maybe. Abayim Rebbe say the in their heat. Um, I will place their, 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 their drinking party, which basically, in the context of that verse, means that their people, enemies' downfalls come through, you know, as a result of the sort of drinking too much wine and being in, indulging in this way. Um, okay, Asa Rabbi Baravu Eliyahu. Rabbi Baravu found Eliyahu. Amalek, Kaman Chazia Esther Zaavta Hachi. So, according to who did Esther see and do this? Like, you know, everybody can try to figure this out. So, Eliyahu, maybe you can tell us what was motivating Esther. Amalek, Kichulu Tanai Kichulu Amarai. All of them are true. <laughs> all of those were her motivations. I don't think any of them were self, were, were like contradicting one another. So, all of them were true. All right. Anyway, it's interesting, right? Because they're really, this is like the one part, I think, which is most about just really trying to understand the story, right? I mean, most of the other things is a little bit more fanciful. I mean, somewhat like Melech Tipesh or Melech Russia is, I think, trying to get at like a real, you know, like a uh, question of like really interpreting the story on its own terms. Like, well, you know, and which is the question, right? Was Ahasuerus, you know, really wanted to get rid of the Jews? Was he just somebody that was easily manipulated? Did he make it look like he could be manipulated? Right? Anyway, so this also, like, what was motivating is uh, you know, and uh, a lot of these reasons. It's not necessarily, I mean, Michael says, I also think that uh, normally we tend to think the reason is, is to get the king jealous, but that to a certain degree is influenced by the end of the story where Haman is no fellow Amita Sher Aleha, right? So things worked out that way, but does that necessarily mean that that was the motivation to begin with? Why to invite Haman? To say like he wanted to keep her eye on Haman? That's not such an unreasonable explanation, you know? So anyway, um, or like, you know, or he was a flip-flopper, all of these, you know, a lot of these explanations are very reasonable. All right. Now, Haman went and told his friends uh, and his family his great wealth and the, the myriad of his sons. The Kama rove Banav, how many sons did he have? Amarav, Lamed, 30. Asara Mesu, 10 died in the war. The Asara Nitlu, a different 10 were, were hanged. The Asara Machazin al-Ptachin, and 10 afterwards are going around begging for bread because they have been impoverished. Presumably, like, like you know, it's, it's uh, their... The idea of, like, suffering, you know, death is immediate. So the fact that, that there's also a sense of ongoing suffering is also part of, the, uh, of his faith. Now there were 70 that were uh, that afterwards were impoverished and had to go begging. Those that are sated with bread, you know, have rented themselves out. They were 70. And now they are like hiring themselves out for bread. There were 208. And the robe of his sons, the robe the Gematria must find the base of So, and robe in Gematria is 200 and, um, oh, I'm sorry, it's 214, it's not 208. Um, right, it's 214, not 208, because if you get the Vav Reish Vav, so Amrav Dachmar Yitzchak, the Rav Ksiv. It's written without the middle Vav, so it's only 208, not 214. All right. So, Layla, who And that night the kings. Sleep was uh, disturbed um, or um, was unsettled. God's sleep was disturbed, and therefore God now has to intervene and act. 
um, which ties into the other story that you know Esther did this so God would look. It's also why when we read the Megillah, we read it you know in a different trap um, to indicate to reflect this midrash that we're talking about sort of God. Um, the upper realms and the lower realms were all bestirred in order to you know make something happen. Rav Amar Shnas Hamelach Chashverosh Mamish. No, it means the King Achashverosh, and now Rav is going to give an, an, an also like a uh, sort of a psychological insight into what's going on here, similar to the earlier discussion of what motivated Esther. So Nafale Nilsa Bedate, something you know sort of fell in his mind, meaning something started bothering him. You know, a thought popped in his head. Amur was disturbing him. Maida, come on, what's going on here? Does Amite Esther Lahaman that Esther invited Haman? What's that about? Right, he got very disturbed that night. Maybe they are like plotting against me. That man, meaning Haman, here my, you know, my officer and my queen. I'm sorry, correct. About me, right? They, they, thank you, they are plotting against me, Lamictale, in order to kill him. You're right, it's in third person, but it refers to him. Right, right, right. So maybe my, my, my uh, you know, you know, you know, maybe my, my favorite minister and my queen, what are they doing together? Maybe they're plotting against me to kill me. Hazar Amr, then he said to himself, So, if that's true, that there's a plot against me, and I'm ignorant of it, that means that nobody cares for me and loves me that would inform me of this plot. If there is a plot, why am I ignorant of it? So, Hazar Amr, Maybe there's somebody that once did a good thing for me, and I never actually compensated him. And, And therefore, people don't want to help me out. Because they see that I people in the past when people have helped me have helped me out they weren't rewarded so that's maybe why nobody here is uh, informing me right so the biggest evidence of a conspiracy is that there's no evidence of the conspiracy right <laughs> must be there's a conspiracy then why doesn't anybody telling me about it <laughs> must be it's a good conspiracy so nobody wants to be telling me about it okay so yeah <laughs> so anyway so it must be that people don't feel they can tell me about these things so so I got to figure out if that's true. So let's go and check the history books. Let's go and see if if ever somebody did something for me and informed me of a conspiracy that I did not reward that person. And let them be read. So they sort of read themselves. Okay, it was a magic book. And it was sound written. It should have been written in the past. Katuv has a sense of currently being written. So Melamed that the Shamash, the uh, attendant who was reading it, saw what it was written about Mordechai. He didn't like the Jews, so he was trying to erase that line about Mordechai. And Gavrio was rewriting it as this guy was erasing it. So that's Katuv, like Kotev, like it's being written right now. So expounded. So if the thing below, the, what's written in the king's history books, which is benefits the Jewish people cannot be erased, how much more the, what is written above, up in heaven, you know, that, will, that the, that the uh, for the benefit of the Jews, that God will always be there, make sure that, that, that they will be protected. Okay, so then the king says, what was done for Mordechai? Lo nasaimo davar, nothing. Amarava, lo mitnesha oavimet Mordechai, out nesha sonimet haman. This is a good line to use in other contexts. They didn't say this to the king because they were such friends of Mordechai. They said it because they couldn't stand Haman. So, you know, often a lot of people are motivated more from who they hate than from who they love. My enemy's enemy is my friend, right. Okay. So, um, so, um, so this is, and Haman was standing in the king's chamber to tell him about the eighth that he made from, that he prepared for Mordechai. So the Gemara says, Tana lo heichin. He actually, heichin lo, he actually, it's going to turn out that Haman had really prepared it for himself. So reading that as ironic. Um, okay. Nasa came to Mordechai. So, um, so, it should be Vaasa. Oh, I, I just misread that. Vaasechen le Mordechai. So then the king says, great idea, do this for Mordechai. 
So Amalei, Manu Mordechai. So Haman said that guy first, which Mordechai? So Amalei, Hayyudi, the Jewish Mordechai. Amalei, Bill Mordechai, you could you die. Oh, there are a lot of Jewish Mordechais. Maybe you got the wrong one. So no, Amalei, he said to him, Hayyoshev Bishar Amela. Right, right, exactly. It's Rachel Bitrak Tana. No, the one who sits in the king's gate. Amalei. So then Haman said, you know, Sagilei Bechad Dikrita. Well, you don't need to do this big honor for him. You could just give him a village. Inami Bechainara, you give him a river. Give him something else. He doesn't need to be paraded around on the king's horse. Amalei, so the king said, Hainami Avlei, great idea, give him that too. Al Tapel Davar, Mikola Shir Dibarta, everything that you said. All right. So Haman took the clothes and the horse. So he went to get Mordechai, and he found that the rabbinic students were, st- were sitting in front of Mordechai. Here Mordechai is, right, he was a Navi in the previous stop. He's also one of the Anche Knesset Agdola. So he's giving a shear. So, and he's showing the rabbis how to do kmitza, right, by being a mincha. So Rashi says this is because this is right, right around Pesach, right, because the fast was three days, starting on the 13th, etc. So he's talking to them about the Omer. So he's just demonstrating them how you do kmitza. Here we are, we're revisiting the base of Mikdash theme. Um, okay, so where were we? Uh, so Mordechai saw Haman was coming to greet him or to approach him and the course was sort of uh, bound in his hand and he was sort of leading the king's horse so he didn't know how to interpret what was about to happen he thought maybe now Haman was about to execute him or something right Haman was coming on the authority of the king so Mordechai said to the uh, to the uh, rabbinic students this wicked person is coming to kill me go run away from him because if not, you'll be burnt by his uh, hot ember. So you don't want to get in trouble with me. Go leave. But he shot and it atif Mordechai the Kamwe with Tsubusa. And now Mordechai saw that he was about to, he thought he was about to be killed, so he uh, wants to uh, be, you know, he wants to, to he, he's praying to God, praying to God to be saved, or at least praying that he should be killed at the moment of, uh, you know, of, 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 of uh, connecting to God. Also Haman the Yasin Le Kamayu. So Haman there sits, can't, comes and sits in front of them. The Orich, I decided Mordechai with Tsubusa, and he waited until Mordechai finished his Shimon Esrei, you know, also evoking the idea, you know, you're not supposed interrupt Shimon Esrei unless somebody is coming to kill you right but maybe Mordechai felt it wasn't going to make a difference so anyway he got into Shimon Esrei Haman waited till he finished his Shimon Esrei Amar Lehu so Mordechai said so Haman said to Mordechai it's funny Amar Lehu it's in plural right Kamai Hu in front of them because they're the Rabbanan but he told the Rabbanan to leave so maybe the Rabbanan didn't listen to them uh, anyway it sounds like the fact that it's continuing with the plural sounds like Mordechai tried to protect the Rabbanan but the, but the Midrash is assuming that the Rabbanan and refused and stayed by Mordechai. So he said to them, Demayas Kisu, what are you doing? What, 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 are you, what have you been dealing with? Amrulay this, so the rabbi said to Haman, at the time of the day of Mikdash, a person could bring like, even a very, very humble type of an offering, a, a, a hand breath filled with flour, and they'd be atoned for. Amrulay, he said to them, Asa mali kumse kimcha came the hand breath of flour the tchu of yours because you were learning it and presumably your learning it is represents as if you've brought it the dochi asara afe kikare kispa didi and they have overridden my ten thousand talents of silver because presumably the timing was you were learning this at the time when uh, you know Achashverosh uh, has switched his mind or at least you know said to give this honor to Mordechai so Amarlei so now what about the Alba did he do before? Well, that's the other thing. Right. Yeah, there's there, our skull and beat out his skull and here it's the little offering of flour. Amalei, so now Mordechai has finished his Shimon Esrei, so Mordechai now gets into the conversation and he said to him, Russia, wicked person, ever shakan in the chosim, ever in the chosim me. You know, going back to the earlier theme that, uh, that Haman was a slave of Mordechai. So he said, you know, what is this, your 10,000 pounds of silver? That was all my money anyway. So I don't exactly get the uh, point there, but okay. What I do think is interesting is 
you know, this whole question of here they are in exile and what's mm-hmm. coming to save them. So they have Esther's fast, right? And you have Mordechai is so ache, but then you have to sort of have, you know, the theme of the Beis HaMikdash, right? It's the merit of the Beis HaMikdash. We have the Shkalim of the Beis HaMikdash, preceded Hamad Shkalim, the mention of the, of, the, of the offering here is ultimately what sort of won out. On the other hand, you have Mordechai standing in Shimon Esrei. Right? Why did you have to insert him standing in Shimon Esrei into that story? Because it just had the story about he comes and they're learning about the laws of the Kmitsa. So, I don't know exactly the answer, but I think it's interesting, you know, about this question, about dealing with the state between the two Batei HaMikdash. I think that, you know, also after Chorban Baishani, there's also that tension of, is it ultimately that what we do is to replicate the Beit HaMikdash, or is it that Tzfilah actually is powerful on its own accord, you know, with equivalent weight to that of Korbanot. But here, I also think the, you know, constantly evoking the Beit HaMikdash and its power, and at the same time having Mordechai being standing in Shemona Esrei. So I don't know how to fully unpack that, but I think that's worth mentioning. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Amale, um, so he said to Mordechai, Kum, levosh hanimani v'rachov hai get up, put on these clothes, uh, you know, ride this horse, to Malka, the king wants you. So it sounds like the king is, is, is sort of is calling him, but it's really the king wants you to just ride on the horse. I can't go, I can't do it. I first have to go and go to the go to the bathhouse and get a haircut, sort of like the Yosef story. It's not proper respect to use the king's uh, you know vessels, objects, the horse and the garments. Hardly um, in my current state, because remember Mordechai had been in his sackcloth and had been fasting, and presumably as we learned before, the more serious fast, you don't bathe, you don't get a haircut. So I gotta if, to do this. I gotta get myself ready. So Shadrach Esther, so Esther sent Asartinu Lukulu Beibani, and Esther locked up all the bathhouses. Why? We'll see in a minute. Uhulu Umane, and all of the barbers. Now, Uman, by the way, is often used to refer to a blood letter. Sometimes also it's used to refer to a mohel. Um, and here it's used to refer to a barber. Anybody know what the thing, the common denominator between those three professions are? Well, they all used knives, right, and scissors and sharp objects, and very often they weren't the same person. Apparently, the red and the white thing in front of the barber was about blood, right, yeah. and also because he was a blood letter. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so uh, Mordecai is going to have a haircut on Cornwallis during the Oh my God! <laughs> well, and, and in the middle of a tightness, right? It's a good one. And during his own like that voice. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! But does he deal? With, but does he deal with the fact that it was during Sphira? All right. Anyway, so the Gemara says like this. All right, let's move back to the Gemara. Okay. So anyway, we'll see why Esther locked all these places up. I lay you bunny. So because now Haman is forced to be attend to Mordechai because Mordechai is insisting on this. All the uh, barbers and the bathhouse attendants are are uh, are you know are off of work. So now Haman has to be the one to take care of this. So Haman brought, Mordech- brought Mordechai into the bathhouse, the and bathed Mordechai. You know, scrubbed him. He was the one that was attending to him. The of and he went and he had to get uh, scissors from his house. Okay, good question. Maybe with if the king had sort of given this edict, he was felt protected. and he was cutting Mordechai's hair. as he was cutting Mordechai's hair, he like moaned inside. Why are you? Uh, you know, leading out such a giving out such a sigh. Amale, so Haman said back to Mordechai, the person that was more important to the king than all of the other, you know, ministers. Now I've been turned into a bathhouse attendant and a barber. Amale, so Mordechai said back to him, Russia, the love. You used to be a barber in a, some, some village, you know, you're going back to your origins. So all of this is, of course, completely, you know, uh, showing the uh, downfall of Haman way before Justin being executed, but how he's completely being, you know, being, being, being brought low. Tana, we turn the bright to Haman Saparsha Kfar Katsum Haya. 
Haman used to be a barber of this village of the village of Khartoum. Okay, so he wasn't such a big shot to begin with. Every Mishnayim shana for twenty-two years. Okay, fine. Now after he cut Mordechai's hair, Lavshinu he dressed him with the king's garments. and he said to him, Now get up on the horse. Amrlaist and Mordechai said to him, Lo Yachilna, I can't I can't just jump up on the horse. I don't have the strength. The Kachishakilai Mimetanisa, I'm weak because of the fasting. So Gokhin Vasali so Haman had to bend down and let himself be used as a footstool so that Mordechai could get up on the horse. Kisalik, as Mordechai was getting up on the horse, boy, he kicked Haman. Amalek kicked him. That's what Haman is going to say. That's what you do. You kick someone when they're down. Lokfiluchu, isn't it written for you? Do not rejoice in the when your you know in, in the uh, when your enemies fall down. Amalek said back to him, "Honey, you be Israel. That's by our fellow Jews." By you, it's written, you will trample their high places. So here he's trampling the high places. He's walking on the neck and on the head of Haman. Now Haman called before him, This will be done to the man that the king desires in his honor. When he was take, when he was going and walking in the uh, you know the passageways the, uh, the, the uh, by the by the street by Haman's house by the alleys by Haman's house, Barte. So Haman's daughter saw him, the Kaima and she was on the rooftop. Sovereign, she thought, hide the Vavua. She made a logical uh, inf- guess. She figured the guy on the horse must be her father, must be Haman. Behind the Misti command, the person walking in front is Mordechai. Must be Mordechai. So Shakla Atitsa de Besakise, she took the pottery, the chamber pot of the bath of the, of the bathroom, right? The Vishadise Aresha Davu, and she threw it on the head of the fox. She had good aim. She knew she would hit the guy, <laughs> the guy in front, not the guy in the horse. So Dali Ene, he lifted up his eyes. The Chazis, I'm sorry, she lifted up her. Wait. Oh, he lifted up his eyes, it's in the masculine, but then the Chazas, and she saw, once he lifted up his head, she saw him, the Avuahi, the Davuahu, that it was her father. She fell from the roof to the ground, Umesa, and she died. Behind the Dixiv, and that's what's meant by the verse, Vayashav Mordechai Alshar, Alshar, Vayashav Mordechai Alshar HaMelech. Vaman Yitzchai, it's really the end of us. Vaman Yitzchai, Alshar, Avel V'chafui Rosh, and we're going to get to that. So, Amar Rav, the so the first thing is we translate the first part of that he returned the he did not sort of like uh, you know say oh I'm great now everything's going to work out for me he went back to what he was doing he didn't take for granted that it was all going to work out and he went back to his sackcloth the Haman, right, which is not at all shot of the Psukim, shot of the Psukim is now that now Mordechai is on the ascendancy and Mordechai is now, you know, close to the king. But the Gemara points out he was in the Shah Hamel fasting, so going back to the Shah Hamel means returning to his fasting. The Haman Haman was sort of, you know, driven back to his house, Avel v'chafui rosh, mourning and with a sort of covered head, Avel, mourning, Abito, for his daughter, the chafui rosh and of covered head, Al Shiirolo, uh, I'll say I'll say for what happened to him. Okay, so he's embarrassed. He's ashamed. So, so they, he told he told everybody what had happened to him. So Kari So what are they? Are they his friends or are they his wise men? So I'm read because another verse says right? So the Gemara picks up on the fact that when they're telling him about how the whole story is reversing itself and Mordechai is now going to be you know come rise up and he'll fall down at this stage they're chachamav they become wise. So Amr Reb Yochanan Okay, now that they're actually saying something that's wise, at that moment they're called wise men. If he's Jewish, Lotuchalo, uh, right? Well, once he starts, once he once he starts rising up, right? Yeah, once you start falling down, then he's going to be victorious. So the Gemara is a little bit bothered because although you know the question is, well, they knew he was Jewish beforehand, 
but okay, but the point is, beforehand, you know, he was, he was going down and you were going up. Now they're saying, ah, now that you're going down, it can't be reversed. That's the Kiddush. But the Gemara is a little bit bothered because it sounds like all of a sudden they realized, oh, he's Jewish, you've got a little problem on your hand. So let's take a look. Amrulay, they said to him, if he's from one of the other tribes, then you'll be able to be victorious of him. But if Mizera, the emphasis of the earth on the men, from a certain strand of the Jews, then you're in trouble. The Inishavit Yehuda Binyamin Vefraimuminasha, if however he comes from Yehuda Binyamin Vefraimuminasha, we'll see it's based on a verse, then Lo Yachaltale, then you will not be able to be victorious over him. Why? Yehuda Dixim Yatcha Ba'arif Oizacha. Um, so Yehuda will be victorious. Enoch and the others, Zechibu, Lifnei Ephraim, Binyanim, Menasheh, Oraz, Gvuratecha. Right, bestir your, uh, your might. Now, of course, besides that we just have Psukim, and we know that Rolchai is Miyuchas, both to Yehuda and Binyamin, right? You know, Yehudi and Yemini, etc. You also have the whole idea of, you know, which we had before, that Esther descends from King Shaul, right? So here also, so also Shaul, and, you know, closing the circle about Shaul and Amalek and so on. So you, uh, you know, so you have that uh, connection here with the Binyamin as well. Yes. We have here non-Jews who know Torah. Well, yes. Okay. So a faulty pole of Fanav, you will certainly fall before him. What's a faulty pole? What's the double falling? So this is picking up on the theme, right? Either they'll be way at the top or way at the bottom. So they're, made, they're compared to dust and they're compared to stars. Kishen Yordin, Yordin Adafar. When they go down, they go down to the dust. Kishen Olin, Olin Adakochavim. So they go up to the sky. So Nafolti Po, I guess, means just you'll be... It doesn't feel totally explain the double language, but okay. We will go from the greatest of Maybe, maybe. Okay. Now the king's eunuchs arrived by Yafilu and they rushed to bring Hamban. They, bring to, they brought him in a state of being rushed, which is obvious, but presumably also we're supposed to remember the previous point, which is that he had the chamber pot, you know, still on his head or whatever and all of that, so he's in a disgusting state and he doesn't have a chance, like Mordechai did, to bathe and to change. So that's the way he comes to the king's house. So now Esther says, me and my people have been sold. The enemy does, has no concern with the damage to the king. So she said to Ahasuerus, He's not, he doesn't care, he's not concerned with the damage to the king. Meaning he is jealous of all the good things that the king has. He was jealous of Vashti. He got her killed. Echoing back the fact that Mimuchan was identified with Haman. Right? He's jealous of me. He's trying to get me killed. So look at this. This Haman is getting all your wives killed. He's jealous of any good that you have. Um, so again, making uh, making Achashverosh uh, very very jealous. Um, so the king said, What do you mean? He said. He said. Right. What's the Vayomer? So First, he was using a translator. Even the Amalei, me the base show Kasina. Once she then said that she's Jewish, right? Kinim Karno Anima Vami, and she presumably now filling in the blanks said that she descends from Shaul. So presumably she descends from a kingly house. So she knows the foreign languages. So by Yom Elaster Malkam, yeah, by Yom Elaster he dropped the Matorgaman. He said to her directly, Batomaster Ishtargoyev Haman Harahazeh. This wicked Haman, an evil man. This wicked Haman. So why doesn't he just say Haman? Why does it's each Sarvoye? So famous Midrash, Amrabalazar, Malamichaisim Khabir Klape Hashverosh. She said, Who's out to get us? A wicked person, and she was gonna point straight to Hashverosh. You know, you're the guy as well. At least you're complicit. So Vam Malach Vasati Yadak Klape Haman. So the Malach came and moved her hand. Each Sarvoye Haman Arash. It's like the Moshe story, right. Not exactly sure. Obviously the message here, like it would have been pretty stupid for Esther to point to Tahashan, but the message here is like it's not so clear it's not all Haman like you know Ahasuerus's uh, fault in all of this and responsibility you know might be uh, equal to that here of Haman the king rose in his anger and then he returned from the uh, from the garden of the castle it connects, right, it, the, 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 the verses create a parallel between his getting up and leaving and his returning. The same way he got up in, in, in anger, fire anger, anger, when he returned, he hadn't calmed out at all. He was still just as angry. 
so he's so the other now why was he just as angry he, 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 he went to take a walk the other because when he went into the garden he found heavenly angels they appeared like like men the Bustani and they were uprooting the trees of the garden the beautiful trees of the orchard the Amarlu he said to these people these, these angels who looked like people what are you doing you're uprooting my beautiful trees in my orchard Haman Haman told us to do this <laughs> so he got just as angry didn't he? you know he got even maybe more angry okay also the day he returned to his house and Haman was falling on the bed that Esther was there so Nofel Nafalmi Bailei should say that he had prostrated himself not Nofel in the present so Amar Rebbe Eliezer Melami Chabah Malach Vipilo Aleha so the angel came and was like pushing him on top of Esther he was, he was trying to sort of not obviously be in that compromising position the angel was uh, making sure it all worked out Amar Vaimi Besa Vaimi Brat so Achashver said woe in, from the house woe from the outside everywhere I go I see the terrible things that Haman is doing and the king said are you trying to subdue the queen with me here in the house and then Charvona said, right, Achadmin Hasarizim, etc. Amar Rebelazer, Av Charvona, Russia, but Osa Eitzahaya. Russia, Charvona was part of the plot to make the tree. Kivan Sharash, Loni Skaimu Asafso, Miyad Barach. And as soon as he saw that uh, it wasn't going to work out, he ran away from Haman, meaning Achadmin was an opportunist. Right, it looked like Haman was on the ascendancy. He was with Haman. Now it looks like Haman is that thing. He switched sides. Right, right. You see, so even if somebody has, uh, you know, not ideal motivations, it's uh, you know, sometimes they wind up doing the right things. Okay, he doesn't have compassion, he will run away from him. Okay, so basically, Acharona ran away from Achashverosh once he saw that things were reversing. From Haman, excuse me. And the king's anger abated. Why does it say Shachacha? I guess, the word is Shachach. I'm not exactly sure why it's two. But okay, is it say Shachacha twice? Anyway. To, does it say twice in the Pasuk? Yeah, because it says Shachach, right? Why the Shachach? Maybe it's too hot. It has an extra cough. Yeah. Shachach, no. Shachach, no, the, the verb has Shin Chav Chav, right? Kishok, but that's because you drop a Chav. Anyway, all right, why are these two Shachachot? Lama Achas Shomal Koshalolam, one God now has calmed down, because God was the Melech that was upset. Achas Shomal and some say the king calmed down now from two things he was angry about he was angry about Vashti and he was angry about Esther and all of them because that was what Esther said Haman is trying to get Vashti killed is trying to get me killed okay by the way I should just make a brief mention what does the Megillah say happened to Vashti we all assume you can't be in front of the king right the, all, the, all the Megillah says is right that she's banished we all, I mean, it, I, we all assume, I think it's very rare to find somebody who, who it does not, has not, like, inserted the Gemara's understanding into the Megillah and realizes that Vashti was never killed, at least in the story. She, she was banished. Somebody pointed out to me that actually in the very first art scroll Megillah, remember, like, going back 30 years before when they were a very small publishing house? Their first and their, their, the Megillah sister was their first publication, and they actually translated that Vashti should be banished, that Vashti should not come. You know, as opposed to the way they translated for example, Shir Hashirim. Yes. In uh, in Roman times, to be banished meant that anybody could kill you, and oh. whoever killed you got your property. Really? Oh, like the sort of like the like the Goladamari Mikla story. Yeah. Oh, so maybe that's maybe that's also so maybe it is close to Pshat. Okay. Let's just turn the page. The Kulam Natan Leish Khalifot Smalot, the Binyamin Natan Khamesh Khalifot, right? Smalot. So now we are going to, uh, we'll see obviously how this connects in a minute. So anyway, this is Yosef. He gave them changes of clothes, and the Binyamin five changes. After Dovash and Sadik, the thing that this righteous person, Yosef at Sadik, himself suffered as a result because of the favoritism, Yikasho Bo, he himself would repeat the mistake. The Amarava, which happens all the time, but okay, the Amarava Barmachasya, Amarav Chamabar. 
Guria, Amarab, because of like just a little weight of two of two cellars of uh, of silk. Shahusi Yaakov Liyosef Misharechav. It wasn't all multicolored, you know, cloak. Uh, it was a little bit of a longer hem or something. Because of that, Nisgalgo Adavar Viyardov Zeno Mitzrayim. It led to the whole exile. It led to everybody going down to Egypt. So this thing here that Yosef is going to make the same mistake. So Amarav Binyamin Vayafes Remez Ramazlo Shaasi Ben Latetni Menu. No, the whole thing was symbolic. It wasn't to show favoritism. It was to hint that there would be a descendant of Binyamin, that would come from before the king in the five cloaks of, uh, of, of uh, royalty. So that's the five changes of clothes. What is it? What is it? So there's five. Okay. So we will have to end here and we will continue with uh, a little bit of this Yosef digression when we return.